Montana's National Bible Hour. This is Brian Albrecht, your host and president of Mission Go. Today our text is taken from the book of Romans, chapter 4, verse 7, which says, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. This is a tremendous verse which helps us explain one of mankind's most difficult problems. That problem is guilt. A lot of us have done things that we're ashamed of. We've hurt other people. And sometimes we have tremendous guilt over the some of the things that we've said or done. And uh, we carry that guilt around. And there's only one way to, to get rid of that guilt, and that is to have forgiveness. And of course, we need to forgive others, but also all sin is against God himself. And this verse tells us that blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven. You can have your sins forgiven by confessing your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, after all, did all the work. He's a gift from God. He is God. He became man. He went to the cross. He bore our sins. He died for our sins. He took the penalty of our sins on himself. And of course, he rose on the third day and he's alive and he's there where you are today. You can confess your sins to him if you're a believer and uh, get back in fellowship with him. Or you can, if you're not a believer, you can ask him to come into your life. the special edition directly from the field. Please excuse the quality of this online call. This is a radio edition of Mission Moments, and this is Melissa Vandermeer standing in for Dr. Brian Albrecht. How much are meals on a monthly basis, and what type of food does an Indian meal or snack contain? It would work out to just $3 a day for an individual. So if we um, look at to be able to provide for these meals on a monthly basis, for one person, it's 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 just a hundred Canadian dollars, which is sometimes blows my mind away. 
mostly the staple diet out here in India it consists of rice, as we know, curry, vegetables, lentils. Um, we make it a point to provide our individuals with eggs, chicken, meat is essential for their protein fish. But again, we need to provide a balanced diet so, so that they have three decent meals a day. Well, Mana, you had talked in a former interview about your mother really, truly took care of the elderly people there with such love and grace. And share a little bit about that. My precious mother is the heartbeat of Pranaham. She always will be. To be able to have such a priceless treasure as my mother and to watch her example, I can honestly say by watching her example, God has prepared me for this role. But my precious mother um, did pass away. She did have a number of health problems, but by God's goodness and grace, I was able to come to India to look after my precious mother, just how she was able to look after her father, as I mentioned, and her mother, but to give her that care and to still see how she ran the home and to learn from her. It's just such an honor. And I cannot thank the Lord enough for providing me with such an angel as my mother. And to now have this role to carry on her legacy, I just pray that God will give me the grace to be able to carry on this torch that she lit so bright. And my father, just as much, you know, to have such godly parents as role models and to be able to now look after my father. He's 81 and he has faithfully served the Lord. I am standing on their shoulders right now and what they taught me I am carrying on. And so to be here now to support my father, it's just wonderful to see that he, he that, I mean, not only are there 47 individuals that I'm looking after at Ponaham, but I have this treasure to look after my father too. So God says, you know, honor your parents. And so it's just such an honor that I can, I never envisioned my life to be this way, but to be able to honor my parents, the way God is just using me miraculously to touch these dear lives. So indeed, my parents are such role models to me in this walk, this journey of faith that I'm on. And I just pray that God would continue to help me walk this journey of faith so that I can be that source of love to all these individuals who are longing for love in this hurting world. Well, that also speaks beautifully of your willing heart and that you are willing to obey Christ's leading. You are a beautiful example to all of us listening. And thank you. Thank you for being thank that you. bright light for all of us. Thank you. thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Please join us next week for our last segment with Mano Young. Thank you so much for listening to Kaz National Bible Hour. As you're aware, this is a listener-supported program, and we cannot continue to be on the air without your support. So we appreciate you praying and asking the Lord how you can help us. This month, we're offering a wonderful booklet, A Thankful Heart in a World of Hurt by Joni Erickson Tata. This booklet I found to be very, very helpful. It does several things for me, and hopefully it will do the same for you. First of all, it explains what true contentment is with the Lord. It talks about having joy in the midst of tremendous suffering, hardship, hurts, and all kinds of difficult people that we run into. I found it to be tremendously helpful to my own spiritual life, and I know it'd be very helpful to yours as well. 
one of the principles that's in this booklet is the idea of counting your blessings. I remember uh, we used to sing, count your blessings, name them one by one. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 says, Be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I really encourage you to write in to get this booklet, A Thankful Heart. And if you do that, I'd be glad to get you a copy. To order your copy, please write Canada's National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 7A7, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 14231.
Today's message is from Reverend George Francisco and is entitled, Christ Transfiguration. Printed copies are available upon request. Today I would like to share with you from God's Word a rare but very exceptional experience that Jesus shared with his disciples. It's called Christ's Transfiguration. Three of the Gospel writers record this great event, Matthew in chapter 17, and in chapters 9 of both Mark and Luke. We will read from Luke's account. First, the setting for this tremendous event. It's found in the previous verses. Jesus has just revealed to his disciples the truth of his coming death. Verse 22, it says, And Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be slain and be raised again the third day. Now, if there's anything that the disciples could not get their heads around, it was a dying Messiah. Then Jesus speaks of his great second coming in verse 26, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me in my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. This too must have been somewhat confusing to the disciples. Now we come to the story as it's recorded in verse 28. Luke chapter 9. And it came to pass about an eight days after these things that Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered, and his raiment was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his decease which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those things which they had seen. Now, this great experience that the disciples shared was certainly indelibly impressed upon their minds, especially perhaps that of Peter. For many, many years later, he could clearly recall the event when he wrote about it in Second Peter 1 and 9. He said, For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the voice we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. So we see that it was a lasting and a great experience for these disciples. Now, what can we learn from this? First, we learn from the transfiguration just who Jesus really was. The scribes and the Pharisees continually rejected him and his claims of being God's servant. 
In fact, they were willing to stone him. For John 8 says, because he claimed that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now, in the transfiguration, as Jesus prays, suddenly the curtain of Christ's humanity is pulled aside, as it were, for just a few rare moments. Then we see a brilliant holy light, radiant glory of God's presence shines out from Christ's innermost being. His garments radiate or glisten with a whiteness that is beyond anything in this world. His true nature, then, is something beyond anything human. For this glory, this light, is nothing less than deity itself. Christ was God, manifest in the flesh, as Paul was to write later to Timothy. And if the glorious light was not enough, God himself speaks from heaven, confirming his relationship with Christ as his son, and calling upon people to hear him. Let there be no mistake, Jesus is not just some good man, another good teacher in the world. He is nothing less than God the Son, veiled in human flesh. The transfiguration witnesses conclusively to his divine nature. Then secondly, we can learn that Christ's death was not some last-minute thought of God, but was totally in accord with God and his word. Two men appear with Christ, verse 30 says, and they talk of the death that Christ would accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, this is very intriguing. The two men were Moses and Elijah. Incidentally, this shows clearly that there is an afterlife, and death does not end our existence. Moses and Elijah were alive hundreds of years after leaving this world. Also, it shows that the teaching of soul sleep is a fallacy. Moses was not sleeping in the grave. His body was buried by the Lord, the scripture says, but he is alive and aware of events that were taking place upon the earth hundreds of years later. The soul does not sleep in the grave, but as Paul says, absent from the body is present with the Lord, 2 Corinthians 5 and 8. Now, it's interesting to note the subject of their conversation was the coming death of Christ at Jerusalem. This shows that Christ's death was a part of God's great plan. It would appear that the choice of Moses and Elijah are really representative of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. For Moses gave the law and Elijah was one of the great prophets. They represent the whole of the Old Testament and as such they confirm that Messiah's death was part of God's great plan for man's redemption. Then thirdly, we learn from the transfiguration something about the manner of Christ's second coming. When Christ came the first time, it was in humility and lowliness. He was born in a stable, laid in a manger, the king of heaven coming to this earth. People were free to scoff and scorn him and his teaching. He allowed himself to be nailed to a Roman cross. When Matthew 26 and 53 says he could have called more than 12 legions of angels to deliver him. For whatever it's worth, the Roman legion comprised 6,000 men. So, in Jesus' day, this is what they would understand, perhaps. Jesus, then, could have called on over 72,000 angels, all of whom are totally superior to man in strength and ability. But Jesus never made that call. He died on the cross as a payment in full for man's sin. But when he comes again, it will not be in lowliness and humility, 
but in power and great glory. His holy nature as God will be fully revealed. The transfiguration shows us a little of what that will be like. Jesus will come in a holy radiance, far brighter than the sun. He will come in glory and in power, the scripture says. Then we learn in the other portions of the Bible that Antichrist will be gathering against him armies of the world in rebellion. If we turn to 2 Thessalonians 2 and 8, we will read that it says the glorious, victorious Christ will, quote, consume him with the spirit of his mouth and will destroy him with the brightness of his coming, unquote. The Antichrist and all his armies will be gathered for what they think is a victory battle, but there will be no contest. They are no match for the brightness and the power of Christ's person. The disciples were privileged to see a little preview of what Christ, the coming, coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, will be like. Let me just pause here for a moment and ask, on which side will you be when Christ comes? You are either for him or against him. To be for him, you need to come to him and believe that he died for you and receive him as Savior and Lord now before he comes, for when he comes, it will be to judge the world of rebellious men, and the time of salvation will be past. I would urge you to turn to Christ, the Savior, today, for when you receive him, he will receive you, and that's a wonderful promise of his. Then we want to learn also from the transfiguration something about our eternal destiny. In 1 John 3 and 2, we read one of the great promises of Scripture. Beloved, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a promise. We shall be like him. What does this really mean? Well, we see in part in the transfiguration. For Jesus, it meant a glorious change. The light of his true nature, his true being, shone forth. And what a glory that was. Scripture promises us, as well, a similar change. Listen to the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Yes, a change is coming from creatures of time to creatures of eternity, from the corruptible to the incorruptible, from the mortal to the immortal. We shall be like him. What a blessed future the Christian has. Then secondly, Jesus had glistening garments, white and pure. God's word promises we too shall be clothed in the glistening garments of Christ's righteousness. In Revelation 19, we read of the marriage of the Lamb, and it says in verse 8, And his wife hath made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now, in symbolic language of Revelation, the Lamb is Christ, and his bride is the church that is, believers, who have received him and honor him. What a joy it will be at last, then, to have garments or lives that are no longer stained with sin, but are pure and white. Then the transfiguration says that two men appeared and talked with him. So we see a great fellowship from the transfiguration, Jesus talking with them, and they in turn with one another and with him. 
Is this not indicative of the kind of fellowship that believers will share in the heavenlies and that those who are now in the heavenlies are enjoying? We can look forward to a wonderful future. Then in the transfiguration there was a gracious overshadowing. The cloud of God's presence completely enfolded them. This will be the portion of those who trust Christ for eternity. God will surround them. We will be in his presence forever and ever. Then Peter said, it is good for us to be here. So believers will enjoy the good experiences of the Lord forever and ever. What a wonderful promise from God's word. The people of Jesus' day never recognized the true nature of Christ. Nor do many today recognize the nature of believers who are born again by God's Spirit and have become part of God's forever family. Let us be encouraged today to see again the true nature of our Lord, that he is indeed the Christ of God, who will return in power to receive us unto himself and to rule this sinful world in righteousness. And let us be faithful in life and service till he comes. The beautiful words of a hymn says this, It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Our trials will seem so small when we see Christ. All sorrows will erase when we see his dear face. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. May God help us to do so. I know the message you just heard was a great blessing to you, and I trust throughout this week you'll be able to apply it to your life. Here at Canada's National Bible Hour, we're really concerned not only about people growing in their faith and being discipled by the Word of God, but also there may be some listening to us who don't know Jesus Christ personally. They know about Jesus. They may be in a religion, but they don't know him personally. But, and Jesus tells us through the disciple John, but as many as receive him, unto them gave he the right to become the child of God. In other words, you need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. The reason you need to do this is because all of us are sinners, and the Bible tells us that sin will put us in a bad place. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, according to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And then Romans 6, 23 says, but the wages of that sin, the wages of any little sin, any little lie that you say, the wages of sin is death, that's spiritual death, that separation from God, that means that you won't go to heaven at the end of your life. But the wages of sin is death, but the gift the gift of God, eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you need to ask Jesus to come into your life. You can do that by confessing to God that you are a sinner and you need grace, that you need a Savior, and ask Him to come into your life as I did many, many years ago. He did, and God changed my life and allowed me to have a life that's been very fulfilling over all these years. And we're giving away this copy of The Greatest Commandment, and if you want your copy, please write to Canis National Bible Hour, Box 1210, St. Catharines, Ontario, L2R 787, or in the United States at Box 2010, Buffalo, New York, 
1-800-242-1431. And you can find past programs of Canada's National Bible Hour on our website, which is missiongo.org, M-I-S-S-I-O-N-G-O dot O-R-G. I trust God will bless your life and draw you close to him throughout this week.